right, we're all ready? Oh, yes, indeed. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Hi. Daniel. I'm Carrie. I'm Packer. I'm Grandpa. And welcome to the 1972. We're on 72 now, right? We are on 72. All right, I remembered. Academy Awards. Act like that was planned. <laughs> uh, this is our podcast, If I Ran the Oscars, where we take a look at one film from every year the Academy Awards were on TV. We look at what it won for plus three other categories, so we take a look at all of the filmmaking process. And this is another year where, unfortunately, we dodged some good ones. And we, all these things are chosen at random. All, it's always chosen at random, which means and that... we are unscripted. Based on one specific award that yeah. won for. Yeah, which means we dodged The French Connection, which got Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And we and, dodged Fiddler. And dodged Fiddler. Fiddler on the and Last Picture Show. Yep. Mm. All of the all three of those got eight nominations, which is kind of a big deal. The best picture noms this year: French Connection, Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. which would have been interesting, Fiddler on the Roof, Last Picture Show, and Nicholas and Alexandra, which I don't recognize, but it's produced by Sam Spiegel. Oh, yeah, it was kind of a big deal. Has anyone seen Clockwork Orange? I've not seen Clockwork Orange. I, think I, I haven't have. either. I haven't either. I've seen a scene of it. Might just have to watch that. It's Stanley. Because. It's Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's going to be like Space Odyssey. Probably no, not. No, no, that one's more Odyssey into your mind rather than Odyssey into space. Uh, the film we did end up watching is called Clute. K L U T. Which was nominated for two awards and one for one. Okay. A whole one, which was for Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Very convincing. I Before I get into that, there is one important Academy Award fact from this year. Okay. Because this is the year that Charlie Chaplin got the honorary award for his effort in motion pictures. Lifetime ch- Achievement? He got his Lifetime Achievement Award. Ah. He had been in self-imposed exile in Switzerland mm-hmm. for 20 years yep. and had come back to remarket his older films and receive his award. He received the longest... Standing ovation in Academy Award history. 12 minutes. Really? Uninterrupted clapping. Wow. So, you know, that's a thing. (laughs) There must be video clips of that, yeah. I mean, that's not a terribly interesting video clip, but it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, yeah, that that I think, that I thought was an interesting enough, like, film as a whole fact. Because this is kind of like... The cap on Charlie Chaplin's career. Sure, sure. Well, uh, oh no, I'm not going to say it. Hmm? Okay. Okay. All right. Done. So, Jane Fonda, <laughs> since we're talking about her today, uh-huh. she's done some stuff. I, I think You so. may have heard of her dad. <laughs> yes. Mean... Or her brother, for that matter. Yeah. The, Fo- the Fondas did some acting. Well, didn't we see Peter Fonda in something somewhat recently? Hmm. We yeah. did, and I can't remember what was it was. Was he in the HUD movie? Might have been HUD. I thought he was. In, I thought it was. He was a cowboyish guy. Uh oh! Now we got to look it up. No, oh, yeah. no, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm on I threw it. that banana out right into the box, didn't uh, I? Easy Rider, Higher Hands, Last Movie. I did. Nothing that's on our list. He what? started what? in films in '63. I don't have. To I look know, but part. it was like his last film. Oh, his last film. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. It wasn't his last film. Okay, what did we want? What did we see him in? Oh, people. You now have to help me out. Now you're really getting me puzzled. Oh, this is what happens. See, we get yeah. off off the beaten path. I mean, here. one of the last films we watched here. One of the last films not, not for we this. watched. Is that what for you to identify? I can't remember which film he was in. I mean, I kind of recognize his That's face. Cool. I've seen him in some things. 
If it would have uh, been recent. Now the podcast people are going to turn off the podcast because we can't get our act. Yeah, we can't they're going to be very disappointed. That okay, we just stop. Say a thing that Forget Peter that Fonda is in. Off that Forget path. that I mentioned it, people. Yep. The people at home probably looked it up already, and they're they're shaking saying. their they're hands really at us, us. Yeah. that we are not getting it. Yeah. So let's go back to this movie. All right, back to this movie. Back to Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. Scroll backwards. Do it. So her acting debut was in 1960. Yeah. So not too far before this, right. for the Broadway play, there was a little girl. She was nominated for Best Actress. Screen debut, same year with Tall Story. Okay. Her uh, first husband was the director of Barbarella, which she was in. Yeah. She had a few husbands. Yeah. She won. This was not the only Academy Award she would win in the 1970s. She also won for Coming Home. Okay. I uh, from seventy seven to nineteen eighty, she had basically a hit every year. Yeah. So she did real good. Her first workout video was released in nineteen eighty two. Yeah, I knew all about. And that. according to this Wikipedia article, it is the highest selling VHS of all time. Really? <laughs> Jane okay. Fonda's workout. Yep. First of twenty two such videos, collectively selling seventeen million copies. Wow. So you know. Pretty good. Take that to the bank. Uh, she hired. She married Ted Turner in '91. I knew about also that. Also, kind of a big deal. I. Uh, she relaunched her career in 2010s and is currently acting in the Frankie and Grace show. Yep, Grace and Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie, which you know, I think is really funny because I think Lily Tomlin is funny. So I think it was about ten weeks ago, aka ten years of film ago. Mm-hmm. When I made the note that I think this is the first movie where all of the main actors are still alive. I think this is the first movie where all the main actors are still acting. Oh, sure. Because Donald mm-hmm. Sutherland, while he hasn't acted maybe necessarily recently. Oh, yeah, he has. He's, he's pretty, well, he's pretty active. Something with Helen Mirren. Yeah, there's a current uh, movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Coming out, yeah? No. Yeah, yeah. Both, he, both Donald Sutherland and Jane Fonda are actively acting in things. Or at least very recently have acted in things. I didn't find a visible poli- political activist. Yeah, we're just not going to go there. Blah, blah, blah. She's, I just might. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's acted a lot. She has a star on the Hollywood Walk. Yeah, but she did some things that were not such a great idea yeah. during Vietnam. Uh, Donald Sutherland, mm-hmm. from Canada, has several Canadian awards not quite up to OBE standards, but, right. you know, the Canada version. Uh, he's on the Hollywood and Canada Walk of Fame. Ah, oh, okay. uh, He got his big... His big start was really Dirty Dozen yeah. in 67. Mm-hmm. He was in MASH in 70. Yep. Uh, Kelly's Heroes. Yep. Those all had similarities mm-hmm. as his roles go. Animal mm-hmm. House, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He was he was in the Hunger Games movies. Oh God! For those of you who were born, you know, fairly recently, he was in the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, the remake of the Italian yes. Job in 2003. He's Mr. Bennett. Oh, Mr. What? Bennett, Donald Sutherland. And all what version of that? No, Pride and Prejudice. He's the Pride um, no no yeah yeah. And he's also Pride the Prejudice, father of three other actors, including one, and I'm only bringing this up because his name is ridiculous, Kiefer William Frederick Dempsey George Rufus Sutherland. Mm. Kiefer Sutherland has seven names. Oh, dear. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why, but he does. I, 
I, I'm only really only bringing him up because of his ridiculous name. Well, his parents have that privilege. They do. Yeah. Just uh, because your parents didn't exercise that privilege. That's okay. You could have just... named me Poindexter. I'm okay with what I got. Your dad lobbied for that. He did. <laughs> not so, very hard. Not very hard. So those are the two main people in this movie. Uh, since we're also looking at supporting actor in this one, we will be speaking about Roy Scheider. Yeah. Who is best known for playing Martin Brody in Jaws. Yes, that's true. But he's done some other things and was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for a different movie this year. Not this one. Mm. He wasn't in this one for very much. Uh, oh, he was Dr. Haywood R. Floyd in 2010, the sequel to 2001. Yeah. Huh. I didn't remember the character name, but... Yeah. Uh, also, Sir technically appearing in this film, uh, which I was not able to pinpoint while watching, but Wikipedia said it was true, Googled it, found other sources. I, someone whose acting career had not yet risen, Sylvester Stallone, as, he was a, an extra. as a background extra in an eight-second shot of a club. He did not really start his acting career until like as a as a named actor until 1974 so this is a good three years before uh and it took him a while to get out of just being in rocky movies mm-hmm. and then he was just in rambo movies and then <laughs> well but that's all right he's made a lot of money yeah he's yeah. made a living anyway yeah yeah I'm sure he's doing fine. Yeah, but he's just in this for a little bit. But it is interesting when you see the a big name in the uncredited section of the cast list. Yeah. So this was this was not Donald Sutherland's best performance. I think he was really is uh, um, dry to yeah unemotional in a pretty major way. But I yeah. think that more played... so than than you usually see with somebody like. Uh, Oh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Of but he was a example, 1970s private eye. He was a private eye, and he was just doing his thing. Yeah. Well, he seemed like he was always serious, and it did not seem like it was a good use of the future talents of Donald Sutherland, mm-hmm. greatest actor to have never been nominated for an Academy Award. But by the you, way, but do you think that <laughs> but he got one? He was directed this way. He did when. He got an honorary award. Oh, he got an no. honorary one, but not in a merit 2017. award. 2017. Yeah, but he has not gotten a merit award. Yeah. But but he must have been directed to act this way. Mm-hmm. That's true. Again, See? That's uh-huh. true, but uh-huh. there, it does say something when you do a very good job of doing a bad job. Well, I don't think it was a bad job. Yeah, I think it was bland. It was a bland job. But that's the way it was supposed to be. That yeah, but character. that's not... That doesn't mean it's interesting. <laughs> how, else do, how else do you show off... Miss Fonda. That is true. You do. You did kind of want her to be front and center and have not have a oh, I didn't emotional. Want her there. They wanted her. I mean, there. okay, yes. Well, I think the story is written that way. It is. I it was. It was definitely her movie, and he was in it. Even though the title character is, is his character, yeah, I think that's part of the the conundrum that we're in. Is that why are we? Uh, you know, the the movie is his his name, but. You know, she's the one going to psychoanalysis. She's the one that's uh, going to get murdered. We follow she's, her around more we than we follow, follow him her around. around. Uh-huh. To me, uh, I didn't know what was going on in this movie until maybe the last scene. I mean, I kept waiting for something else to happen other than <laughs> yeah. Jane Fonda taking her clothes off. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sorry, but it it was a mystery movie 
but not not in the way that you usually see it in film where the audience figures out the mystery about halfway through I did. Oh, I think, well, I, well, I think we had yeah, it figured see, out. You had it figured out because you've watched a lot of CSI and have a working, functioning brain. But what I'm saying <laughs> is that usually, I think with these, when you're doing cop movies, is it's pretty obvious. Like, not they say he's the murderer, but like you see the bad guy actually do a bad thing. I think by about halfway much, through. We pretty much had an idea when the guy was sitting there in his office listening to the tape. Yeah, but that was just being creepy. You can no, be creepy no, no. and not be doing illegal things. Okay. Well, it wasn't anything illegal at I that time. I think we pretty much we pretty much had a feeling, both of us at that yeah. point. And that was fairly early in the movie. But but, but it was it, it was almost kind of too obvious in some ways. Well it was both too obvious mind. and not obvious enough because yeah. it could have been anyone. Yeah. And I think they were trying to lead you in a path of, it could be anyone. Now we'll cut to this guy doing something really creepy. But it could be anyone. Yeah. Well, and you think about the time when this film came out. Yeah. We, you know, we were still in Vietnam. We were, things were the, you know, summer of, summer of love was, you know, only four years prior. And I think this film at that, when it came out, was pushing pushing boundaries of what was mainstream theater and i think for them to showcase you know her as a a call girl and uh, like dad was saying you know having her take her clothes off and stuff that in a what would be a regular feature film i think it was i think for that time it was pushing some boundaries i also also for fun i decided to look up what kind of police TV shows were happening around this time. Dragnet? Mm-hmm. Uh, Starsky and Hutch? 5-0? Starsky and Hutch in the early 70s? No. Uh-uh. Starsky and Hutch started in 75. Yeah, so, so yeah. not yet. Uh-uh. But 5-0 was started in late 60s. Yeah. And Dragnet was going on at that time. Yeah. And those were super, and super Probably the FBI, clean. too. Yeah. Squeaky clean. Yeah, so this would have definitely not... This is not the like the late seventies cop show genre that is parodied. Yeah. No, no, not yet. And it's hard for us because uh, I heard somebody use the term presentism. You know, where we take our present day knowledge and our present day sensibilities and our present day understandings and try to apply we 20, it. what twenty twenty hindsight it to we, them. We try to apply it backwards, and I think with films, it's it's really easy to slide into that because we are we know what we're used to and what the film industry is capable of doing now and it, it might this might have been groundbreaking what's what's Pushing interesting after midnight cowboy a couple of years ago yeah you know they, they're they're pushing the limits what's interesting is we have the different generations sitting just here in this podcast mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and we can remember this stuff I didn't see this movie Dan as a kid. Dan can't remember this. So, I think, I mean, when it was, what were the times like? Right, right, right. You know, but I think that makes it interesting to to view it and try to view it from the perspective of what was going on at that time. Right, right. Yeah, what was like the world like? Like, art imitates history and vice versa. I think so. Yeah, the, the you know, uh, dial telephones and the uh, reel-to-reel tape recorders, you know, the the reel-to-reel pocket tape recorder, that would have been super high-tech. Oh, yeah. 
to have a wire on a and and have it be portable. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever saw a portable one of those. Patrick, you got your brother Dave had a we had wheel. one. We had one with the little uh, like the three and a half. You inch. did. Yeah. Oh, you guys were back high tech. at back when uh, the Mission Impossible television series was on, and uh-huh. that's what they used. Yeah, yeah. We had well, one. Well, your brother wrote an opening dial, opening monologue yeah. for one of those. Oh yeah, we had one of those. Mine yep. was even smaller than that. Little B. But mm-hmm. it wasn't a reel to reel. Was it a no, cassette? So, it was a yeah. Cassette. See, this is this is before cassettes yet. Yeah. But they were showing so here. So who else should we talk about here? The director, for uh, instance. Oh, definitely, we should talk about mm-hmm. Alan Pakula. He he has some. Pretty notable work. So, first, he was the producer and therefore nominated for Best Picture for To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, with Gregory Peck? Yeah, in 62. And this was the first of his quote-unquote paranoia trilogy. Three unrelated movies, but released in quick succession, all of which have somewhat of a theme of someone's out there watching. And what were the other two? So this is the first one. The second Parallax one is view. the Parallax View. Mm-hmm. And the third one, a small number you may have heard of called All the President's Men. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we've watched that. For which he was nominated for Best Director. And then he was also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for Sophie's mm-hmm. Choice in 1982. Yeah. Yep. So he's done some stuff. Yeah. The Pelican Brief is in his records as mm-hmm. a producer. Um Starting book, over, huh? a good story. Yeah, I mean, he had he did a lot of noteworthy movies. I yeah. think, uh, but the ones we will be needing to talk about is cinematography and score because those are what we are actively looking at for our podcast today. Uh, the cinematographer is a guy by the name of Gordon Willis Jr. Are we related to him? I do not think so. <laughs> He is best known for his photographic work on seven Woody Allen movies, including Annie Hall in Manhattan, six Allen Pakula movies, including All the President's Men, four James Bridges films, and all three Francis Coppola Godfathers. Ouch. Wow. Ooh, that hurts. That's big. Well, I, I have to tell you, the, the one time when they were on the waterfront, mm-hmm. I really appreciated the the camera angles and and the, the information that we got through the lens of the camera without them telling us. Mm-hmm. I really like that. The combination of musical stings and camera work did a lot of work in this movie without dialogue. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy who did the score is a guy by the name of Michael Small. And unfortunately, like his name... It's short. It's, I mean, he's he's done a lot of things for movies, but it's not like, oh, you'd recognize him from thing, 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 thing. He's just, you it know... It seemed cliche. Uh, he's, he, he, he's a working character actor, except he's a, a songwriter. Right. Well, it seemed <laughs> cliche much. to me. Yeah. yeah. He did a lot of work for Alan Pakula, which kind of makes sense. But nothing to... Write home about. Nothing to really write home about nothing there. Nothing to podcast about. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, people. Best score this time around, I believe, went to someone we've heard of. Where is it? Fiddler? It is Fiddler. John Williams did John the orchestration. Williams it was John Williams, in fact. Yeah, he did the, arch- the uh, <laughs> arranging. Uh, that was for the adaptation. Original right. mm-hmm. is Summer of 42, which mm-hmm. I have not heard of. Uh, but in any case... That's a coming of age. Do we have other opinions about the film as a film and what happens in it? Should we talk about what happens in it? or is this? I don't know if this one is necessarily good enough that we can have people give us what a 
It depends on what you want to see. I yeah. already spoiled it. Yeah, yeah. De- bad guy death. Ha- bad guy stuff happens, and uh, two unlikely people have to work together in order to solve solve crime. That sounds a little familiar. Yeah, that 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 in is fact that the is the Lion King. The, there's a plot of a lot of things. <laughs> no, that's the plot of ha- no, Mom. That's Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> but which Shakespeare show is this then? I don't think this is a Shakespeare show. Mm. Is Starsky and Hutch a Shakespeare show? No. <laughs> This is a very serious episode of Starsky and Hutch, is what this is. <laughs> no, it's... This one did not thrill me like previous movies have for the podcast. It was yeah. interesting. Yeah. and it was I something mean, different. We probably would have had... I think we would have had more fun this year talking about, like, Fiddler. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. But did not roll that one, unfortunately. Well, as it so happens, your dad and I just watched... Uh, was it was on American Masters? Yeah, a fiddler documentary. Ah. The making of and where did it originate? Years later. And we could have watched Shaft. Yeah. Ooh. Hey, that was winner of the best song. It was winner for best song. The theme, the from, theme Shaft. from Shaft. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Isaac Hayes. I. Well, and that's okay. It can yep. be a short podcast. Yep, that's fine. On to discussions of people. What. We need to talk about number one, Jane Fonda. How did she do? Do you think? Because she definitely won an award for this. Well, I have nothing to complain about or acting certainly. Uh, according to the article, she spent a week observing and accompanying high-class call girls in New York. While accompanying them, she was disturbed that no one showed interest in her. Which she believed was because they could tell that she was really an upper-class privileged pretender. Mm. But apparently she went out for a week on the town with call girls, and none of the guys were like, I want Jane Fonda. Huh. I am not surprised. Yeah. Uh, you know what I thought interesting about uh, about the movie plot <clears throat> was her... You know how sometimes you we talk about how... Um, on the plot of the movie, show me what's going on. Yeah. Don't tell me. Yeah. And I thought her interactions with the therapist were were an odd uh, kind of almost narration. Yeah. What's going on? Which it seemed like, oh, they could have probably done that better from the standpoint of how the story was told. But, but I don't know. you but have to remember worked. that this is the early 70s. Yeah. And psychoanalysis was... Uh, it was starting to be a big deal. They had us do in my middle school. They had us doing guided imagery hmm. in the early seventies. So this was hot, hot, hot. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it was uh, a way to hipsterize what was going on in the film. That was yeah. my take. Yeah. And it also wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It could have been straight narration. This was at least giving character mm-hmm. to it. Right. Yeah. Right. So That's it true. could have been worse. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anyway, that was my take. Was that I do? Th- I do think she did a darn good job with her actressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was this movie? Did, I'm sorry. <clears throat> was this movie nominated for best picture? I don't think so. Let me check. No. Okay. All right. Quite sure it wasn't. It was not. No. Just In fact, acting. did it get okay. any other nominations? I uh, there was. It got one other nomination, and I think it was art direction. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. right. So not a whole lot going on for this one. Uh so. First extra topic we're looking at is the cinematography, which we've talked about. And I do think it had its good points. 
it, it wasn't I, stupendous. It wasn't earth shattering something new. No, it was tried before. extreme. It was very competent, which is sounds a little right, like damning with fine praise. But I mean, Fiddler on the Roof won for cinematography. Yeah, which, which was interesting because it was like a stage show movie. Yeah. Next thing we're talking about is the score, which we already touched on a little bit, and how it's mm-hmm. a little yeah. cliche, little medium. A little not terribly interesting. Average. Yeah. Got its job done and then we're done. And the last one is supporting actor, which would have been Roy Scheider in this case. I don't think he was in there enough to... There really wasn't, like, another guy. there's Dame Judy Dench. Yeah. Well, could have been the bad guy. Could have been the bad guy. Do we like his acting in this particularly? I, I, I don't know. Yeah. He was just yeah. a creepy he was okay. guy. He was a pretty creepy guy. He did a good job of being creepy. Yeah. Which actor was that? Cast... Uh, that Peter Cable? Yeah, that was him. Charles Chiaffi? C-I-O-F-F-I. He has he was in some various things, but... He's just a regular... He's a working character actor. He was in Shaft, actually, also. Huh. But he's appeared on Kojak, Frasier, Wings, X-Files, 30-something, NYPD Blue, 5-0, Bonanza, A-Team, Days of Our Lives, he's Law & Order, the voice of... Uh, is he the voice of Marcus Phoenix's dad in Gears of War 2? That means nothing to the rest of us. That's a video game. We don't know what you're talking about. Sorry. Well, at wow. Least, at least the guy found employment. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But I don't think there was any supporting actor in this film that would the Academy would have considered. Right, right. Nothing to get I would agree. Yeah. Not terribly surprising. Sometimes you get a two-person show. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all in all, solid eh out of ten. I don't know. I think it was you know seven. Yeah. 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 So five. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. average of six. Good thing we're not rating the movies. Good yeah. Thing we're not. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're just yeah. talking about them. All right. I uh, tune in next week where we definitely watch a different movie. We already have it. We got it from the library. All right. We want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. All right. Bye. Bye.